You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. In today's episode, Candace and Cher continue discussing the importance of having self-compassion in order to heal from developmental trauma. Listen in as they talk about what self-compassion is and how it develops. Hi, everyone. It's Candace and Cher with Processing Trauma Out Loud. Cher, we are back to record another episode on cultivating the trait of self-compassion. And we've just decided to linger here a little bit longer because of how much we have seen what it has done in our own lives and what it has done for other women and people that we know. And so today we are going to look more specifically at how do we develop self-compassion. Before we do that, I read to you the definition again of self-compassion. We've, we've talked about this before. The word compassion means to suffer with. Okay. So when we enter into compassion with someone else, it's like our bodies, our presence, you know, our, our brains, our minds, we're really entering into that person's suffering and really the empathy part where, where we feel it. And we may even shed tears or we just, you know, I, I heard someone say, and I've said this before, like, oh, that just, I feel like something punched me in the gut. Like there's compassion there because you're, you're suffering with that person, right? But what we, what we talked about before we pressed record today was, Self-compassion is the ability to experience within yourself kindness towards the ways that you have experienced hurt and harm. And so I feel like that was important to name, like at the end of the day, how do you feel about the things that you have suffered towards yourself? And it's hard. I hear all the time when I ask people about their suffering, most people will immediately say, oh, others have had it worse than me. We have a real difficult time saying, I have suffered deeply. Mm -hmm. And recently in a group that you and I are a part of, somebody named my, my young life as being hard. And I've been really pondering that and it, it, it's been hard for me to actually own that, even though I've become familiar with my stories where there is a great deal of harm and still it, it's hard for me to name or to say straight out, I have, I really suffered in my childhood. There was deep suffering there. And until I can come to that place and I'm growing toward it where I can own that and name that self-compassion will be elusive. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought that story up because I was there. And I want to say, this is actually what we're talking about today of how we develop self-compassion. So in, in this particular story, not that I'm going to share details, but you were talking, you as a little girl in your family, you were observing that somebody else had a very hard life. And so when this other person more moved towards you and said, Cher, you had a hard life. I remember we were all like, we felt the love. We felt the compassion. We felt, you know, we saw you kind of go, I did. And it's deeply sad. That was compassion. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, can I ask you, like you said, you've been thinking about that. So tell me a little bit more of like what, what that's done for you since, I don't know, was that a week or so ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And it really impacted me because I have had the tendency to look at the other people in my, the other characters in my narrative as having it harder than me, that life was harder for them, that somehow I was the one who needed to make everything okay for them because their life was hard. And Mm -hmm. so when this was turned, she literally said, this person said, I'm going to flip the script a little bit and I'm going to ask, what if you were the one who had a very hard life? And it really impacted me and I have been pondering it. And I think it felt like such an idea notice, as you said, the eyes of the others in, in the room who 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 were turning their faces toward me with compassion in that moment which helped me not just dismiss the statement mm. but helped me enter into the this moment where a lot of love was it for me in that moment that was love that she named that my life was hard and that I could that I could linger there for a little bit and begin to then move toward, is this really true? Mm-hmm. And so I believe that as I have really brought a lot of care to my little girl over that statement and and, and all that surrounds that statement over the last couple of weeks, like I feel like I've made even more new strides into self-compassion because I'm now able to say, yeah, I experience deep suffering in my, in my young life. Yeah. And this, this example that that's real and that happened, right. It really is counter cultural in this sense, not always, but I want to say kind of mostly in the culture to say that, you know, okay, I'm going to share a story and you share your story there tends to be, and and I know why now, and I understand. So there's actually no judgment towards those that are in this space. I understand. There tends to be, wow, you're you're still talking about that. You haven't moved on from that. And and actually, that space for someone will send them into deeper shame or send them into deeper hiding. Because why can't you, you know, why are you still talking about this in your 60s share? Yeah. No one wants to be a victim. No one wants to hear somebody acting like a victim. But the thing that I want to say is that, and this is very much part of why self-compassion is so important, which is what we're talking about today. If you experienced deep harm, not even, not even only deep harm. If you experienced abuse of any kind, physical, emotional, verbal, sexual, spiritual, if you experienced neglect, if you did not have anyone who was protecting you, if you didn't have places where you could go where you felt really, really safe, right? This and so much more. If you did not have that, you were a victim. You were in a situation of being voiceless and powerless and helpless and without resources to move into a space of safety. Mm-hmm. And so if we experience victimization, of course, we are going to carry that forward in our lives. But in our culture, 
it is taboo to name that. Mm-hmm. And and I get why. And I and I know, you know, no, like you said, nobody wants to hear somebody who's playing the victim all day, day after day, you know. But I think the reality is, is that so many of us are carrying the the victim mentality or the victim image because we were victimized, but we can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we are in desperate need for good places for those who were harmed to be able to talk about it in straightforward ways where we can name, yes, I had a freaking hard life. Yes, I experienced deep suffering. Yes, I was victimized. How do I heal from this? I want to. Yes. And until we do that and are met with someone moving towards us in compassion that we don't even have for ourselves in a lot of those stories, we will stay stuck. The way to get unstuck is to actually tell the story and to have a different experience as an adult than you did when you were a child. We feel passionate about this. Because, well, one, we're older women and we meet women that are older that feel so much shame and confusion of why they keep bumping into the same struggle over and over again. Yet we hear the stories that they haven't had these safe places and community and people to just tell the story, the particularities, the details. But when we do, because we are in the presence of someone else who has been able to do the same. The self-compassion piece is the very road that we begin to walk down that heals us. And we're going to talk more about that in our next episode, where we're really going to talk about, okay, so we need love. We need people who are who can contain. How do we get that? But before we go there, we do want to talk a little bit about if we don't have self-compassion, if we haven't experienced that, what are some of the hallmarks that are showing up in our life that that we can say, whoa. These things keep showing, like you just said, doing the same behaviors over and over and over and hoping for a different outcome. And yet we can't seem to get unstuck. What are some of the things that we experience in life that can be healed as we grow in self-compassion? I think I want us to really talk about this, like why is cultivating self-compassion so important? Why is it necessary? What if art could help bring healing to the wounds from your complex childhood trauma? And what if healing could release and free your artistic expression? Click the link below to learn more about my new course called Art and Healing Beginning Watercolors. Well, the first thing that's coming up for me is attachment, attachment wounds. So a child will not come to the conclusion that them feeling unsafe or scared or these big emotions that they have isn't their fault. When there is attachment wounds in in various ways, we're talking specifically in developmental trauma, childhood trauma. So it is an attachment that is either abusive harmful, or very inconsistent. So we're not talking about perfect. And we say that in every episode, 
we say that because we we just want to make it clear that this isn't about being a perfect parent. So we don't want anybody to tune out to say, well, gosh, I could never do this because I'm not perfect and, and nobody is. But we want to say that it's important that a child has a consistent, healthy, secure attachment with their primary caregiver. I like that you use that word secure. And that's that that's the verbiage when we're talking about attachment. The ideal is that we have secure attachment, not even perfect attachment, but secure, a place where we are connected, where we feel safe. And so when we don't get that, we go into those attachment wounds of being avoidant or being anxious or being disorganized. And we've talked about that in other episodes. But when we experience love from our primary caregivers, we develop security. And out of that security then grows that sense of self-compassion. We love ourselves because we know the context of love. When we don't have that, we struggle because there is insecurity and we are always looking for a place of safety. And we often are looking in places where safety will not be found. You know, when we look at developmental years, you know, that that little child is really just trying to figure out something that doesn't feel figure outable. And there's a lot of ways that that child begins to develop finding some sense of security and safety, even, you know, I just think of your story that that outside provided some containment for you, like, okay, in this space, I have a sense that I'm going to be okay. But as a child grows older, the, the question begins to form within what's wrong with me, or trying to figure out if I can just figure out how to do this differently, maybe I can get the love that I'm craving. There's actually no self-compassion involved in that. A child is not going to show up and say, I need love and self-compassion. You're really naming what it is to experience deep shame. When we have that sense that something is wrong with me, Mm -hmm. which is what shame is, we carry that into every aspect of our lives, into the Mm -hmm. way that even as a child, into the way that we're able to focus when we go to school, the way that we interact with kids on the playground, yeah, the way that we are able to respond or not respond to the authority of our, of our teachers. It just begins this process of how all of our life is affected by when there is an absence of a secure attachment, the child will feel shame and feel and believe that something is wrong with them. And it begins to color every single aspect of life. And then they begin to, we begin to heap upon ourselves judgment and condemnation and all of the things that then as we go into our teen years or into our adult years that make our relationships places of war more than places of love. Because of people talking more about this and and trauma and brain development and research. There are children today that are getting more care and being seen more in real time than you and I did in school. But the complexity as adults is that we have to go back, you know, in our adult bodies and embody, receive, experience the repair that we needed then. 
And so I, I am so thankful that there are more children being seen in their places of harm and pain and neglect. I believe it's going to matter. I really do. I think there's still going to be lots of struggle, especially maybe if they're being seen outside the home consistently and getting care, but inside their home, they're suffering abuse. But it's still going to matter that someone understands this and, and really is moving towards them with this understanding of what that child really needs. And so here we are as adult women doing that same thing for our inner children for ourselves and for one another. And we want to talk about that more in our next episode. And I'm I'm so looking forward to it. I, I, I think we've been building for this moment where we can really name some things about what it is to be able to open ourselves to receiving. And that has been mm-hmm. hard. That is mm-hmm. hard. That's some of the hard work. <laughs> but, but Candace, good Good things that we're talking about here today of the really huge impact of developmental trauma and when as children, we did not get what we needed and how that impacts our lives. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation and bringing much more. (laughs) If this episode felt a little heavy, I think stay tuned for next week because uh, I can't wait to talk about where we're going with this for next week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll be worth it. (laughs) Yeah. So much. So good to be with you, Candice. You too. Love you friend. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandaceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Auditory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.